You ever been to church and people are raising their hands and some have their eyes closed and others are weeping and, and some are standing there with a cup of coffee? And you think, is this worship? Is this the only way to worship? Maybe you've been in churches where you look around and think, boy, I'm just not as good at worship as they are. Or maybe you look around and think, boy, I'm way superior to somebody else when it comes to worship. Well, what is worship? Our goal on this podcast is to make real life simple. And today we talk with a world-class worship leader and leader of worship leaders to ask the question, why are so many people so opinionated when it comes to worship? And is it more simple than we are making it out to be? Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. Well, my guest today is Todd Fields, worship leader extraordinaire, and uh, I won't uh, give you his bio. I'll let Todd do that. Todd, tell us a little bit about where you're from and and what you've done and what you're doing currently uh, in ministry, uh, specifically in the world of worship leading. Rusty, first of all, it's great to be with you. I've loved being with you guys in Santa Clarita at the church and it's been fun over the past year just to hang with you guys, but I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I've literally been in Georgia my entire life and hmm. grew up here, born and raised. Never, I left last year. Uh, we lived in San Francisco for eight months and helped a church called a great church called Epic Church in downtown San Francisco. But other than that, it's all been Georgia, but I've traveled quite a bit with ministry. I worked with the Billy Graham Association right when my wife Carrie and I got married. We've been married 22 years. Um, and we've got four boys. Eight, oldest is twenty-one, youngest is fifteen, and um, we're having a having a blast. But Billy Graham Association, early marriage. Uh, was at First Baptist Atlanta with Andy Stanley and his dad Charles. Then North Point Community Church started. I was with North Point for twenty-two years, and Andy. And then along the in the early days of North Point, Louis Giglio was a part. We did a thing called Seven Twenty Two, which was a singles uh, Bible study and worship experience for people from all over Atlanta, about 3,000 a week. Did that with Louie, and man, since I've uh, left the great people at North Point, I've been working on a ministry called Worship Circle. We have online small group and training for worship leaders from literally around the world. We have about eight countries involved now, and uh, people getting up at crazy hours in Hong Kong and Australia, but yeah, it's my joy to really kind of I mean, that's a, that's a quick version, but it's a joy now to, to give back and walk beside churches and worship leaders all over and just help us all, you know, learn more about what it means to worship and to lead worship. Well, that is a, that is a, one of the fastest summaries of, of a life I've heard <laughs> on a podcast <laughs> and, and one of the, the clearest. Uh, is, that's fantastic. Todd, I, I feel like I've known you for years because of your influence yeah. through North Point and and uh, recently of your your time out here with our churches here in Southern California, and yeah. so grateful for your input in my life and our worship leaders' lives and our staff. Uh, we've walked through some difficult times together, and, and you've been so such, just such a blessing for us. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, I also want to just you know get your perspective a little bit on on worship in general. Um, you know, mm-hmm. for those of us that remember the worship wars, uh, that sounds like a horrible thing to say, but there was a, a time that a lot of us walked through where churches were only singing hymns 
and then it moved into contemporary worship. And then we started redoing the hymns, which is a great thing. And now it's kind of even a new season of worship. What have you learned through that and watching that? And we still walk into churches today and we think, oh, yeah, they're they're living in the worship, you know, cycle of the 1950s and others that are in the 80s. And, and not that there's a right way or a wrong way to do it, but what have we learned through all of the transition of worship styles over the years? You know, Rusty, it, it has changed. I mean, and when people hear the word, our listeners hear the word worship, we oftentimes think of music and maybe singing. Mm. Um, and that's that's going to ebb and flow and styles are going to change. And, you know, when I, I mean, when I was growing up, I had no idea what worship was. And it, in the eighties and nineties, I remember being in church and, you know, we just kind of had sing-alongs. <laughs> we, we would sing these, these choruses in youth group. And it, and it, I heard about praise and worship, but it, it wasn't something that the mainstream like Christian audience or churches were tuned into saying, well, Hey, we're going to worship at church today. So that whole, topic for me was it honestly was a bit new um i just knew that hey when i was in big church growing up you know we sang and sometimes there was an orchestra and special music and all that but worship for me became more of a buzzword um and i started developing more of an understanding of of true worship when i hung out with louie um i love the definition that louie kind of coined and crafted in the early days when i was working with him but he just said our worship is our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who he is and what he's done expressed in and by the way we live. And so, you know, for our listeners, I know when we come into church, we think now it's time to worship. But I think one of the things that I try to help brothers and sisters in the faith understand and the people that are standing on the platform understand is that it's really it's really just an an overflow or an expression of what is most real to you in your life and what you're most excited about maybe in your life or what you you've been changed by the most in your life. And I know, you know, for me, just the idea of worship is something we do all the time. Um, and it's not, a, a th- mm. it's not something when you hear that will go, man, sometimes I'm in a ball game and I really love to, <laughs> I love to watch baseball or, you know, it's football season. I'm on the couch and I'm, it's like, that's worship, but it, it's not something to be shamed. Like, well, man, I'm not worshiping God right now because I'm watching football or I'm, you know, going to hang out with my kids and watch a movie. See, I just think that's all worship. And it's not a matter of necessarily being in the church room or at a movie theater or at a ballpark or with your family at dinner. It's the context of all of us understanding the gravity of the gospel in our life. Hmm. And in those moments going, oh my goodness, God, for this day, I get to go see a movie with my kids or my wife. I get to sit around the dinner table or grab a meal with some good friends and have great conversation, all brought to you by the gospel. (laughs) Because apart from the cross, apart from life, apart from um, God providing all this stuff that we get to enjoy, there would be no enjoyment of it. So. One of the things I just like to, I'm growing in my understanding of is that all of life is worship, not in a shame-based way, but in a just opening our eyes and our soul to look at every moment and be grateful. So then when we come in the, the corporate gathering at church, you know, whether we're leading people from a platform or 
um, we're standing there, it really is just about remembering well who God is and what he's done for me personally and expressing that back to him somehow. And some people are very expressive and they express, you know, in a big way with a loud voice and others. We'll talk, we can get into that later if you want to, but it looks different for all kind of people. But does that make sense? Kind of more of an understanding of the gospel in everyday life and just a just a constant thank you to God, you know? It does make sense. And that's, that's a great way to say it. Uh, l- let me just dive in a little deeper on what you just said a minute ago. Worship while we're going to watch a movie with our kids, having dinner with friends, watching a football game. I think we typically think of that as that's secular (laughs) and the other is spiritual. And I remember years ago when we started incorporating songs from the radio uh, in a church service, there was a large outcry of how do you, how can you bring the secular into the spiritual? And I thought, well, I think it's all the same. It's a matter yeah. of, you know, <laughs> how you right. direct your thoughts. Are there a few things that you think through that help turn those ordinary experiences into worship? You mentioned a little bit about gratitude, but because uh, yeah. I think it, we're so out of the habit of seeing that. We're so, worship is so based on proximity for us. How do you keep that fresh in every situation? For me, Rusty, there's a backdrop or a foundation for my life. Um, and I, it's, I'll, I'll let everybody into this. Just, it's, it's kind of like some people say, well, that was traumatic, but at the same time, I think it helped me. Um, when I was a kid early on, I'll never forget like the, this is not to sound morbid, but I'll never forget the first funeral I attended with my parents. It was for a great uncle of mine, uncle Brian. And I think I was five or six and I didn't, understand what was going on, but I'm sitting there, you know, at this funeral service going, this doesn't seem right. Like this. And then, you know, then another relative would pass away and then tragedy would strike in people's life. And I'd be like, this just does not seem right. Like there's something not that like, this shouldn't be happening. What, what do you mean they're not here anymore? And so as a kid, I began to question all that and trying to figure it out. And, you know, as I grew in my understanding of the gospel and what Jesus had done by conquering the grave, it was like, this is <laughs> like, this is, this is no small task. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that this, that God said, I love you, that I love you so much that all of your, uh, you know, trying is not going to be good enough. All the mistakes that you've made, they're going to keep you from me, but I'm going to give you my son out of love because I love you that much. And he's not only going to, you know, give himself as a sacrifice for you, but he's going to conquer death for you. That when I first started grasping the, the reality of that in my life, really in understanding that as his child, I'm his son and that, you know, he's got me, I'm righteous in him, the whole identity thing. But just, just, just that we all, no matter what happens today, expected or unexpected, there's a foundation that Jesus wins, we win, the grave has been conquered. And for me, that's that's where my song comes from. So if it's it's almost like not some it is conscious, but it's you know, it's just like, Lord, thank you to today I get to see my wife Carrie and we get to interact. I want to praise you for her. And I won't say it out loud, but it's just it's just in every every opportunity as much as possible, just going, this is unbelievable. Like, 
we're number one, we get to have these relationships. We get to do these fun things. All of then all of life really becomes covered by this understanding that Jesus is our only hope, but what a great hope he is. Hmm. And then that infuses for me its way into my song. You know, I tell uh, worship leaders that I train, I'm like, when you lead this Sunday, when you stand on a stage, one, it nothing, none of it means anything apart from what you fostered with God off the stage. So it's like, you know, you're getting up in front of people and saying, hey, we all ought to do this because this is what we do in church. But apart from the stage and just in everyday life, we're not, you know, expressing that moment by moment gratitude just in our thoughts and in our heart and that knowing of God personally, then it's it's just kind of not, you know, it doesn't connect. I think people can see through that, but it really is just, I tell leaders this all the time, lead this Sunday as if this is your last. Like, what would you, what would you want, you know, knowing right now that as you lead worship, you stand on stage or whatever these, you know, if you're a listener listening, whatever your job is, whatever you're doing, what would you do how would you do it if, if if today was your last and so i tell them to man you praise god with all you have from a heart that's just so grateful that you got today hmm. and um that at the end regardless of what happens to any family family member or friend in your vicinity by faith we have the greatest hope there is and that's that there's life forever brought to us by the greatest love the world has ever known so i love this um Rusty, Louis says this, um, and I, I want to let everybody he- hear this idea. He said, worship and praise go up when the gospel drops. And so to the extent that we understand and process what has happened on the cross and what Jesus did for us, our response goes up based on hmm. the telling of that, the processing of that. And so, you know, it really is just kind of trying to wake up every day and go, Lord, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know if this is my last. I get to see my kids today, and they're all precious. But none of our hope is in each other. Our hope is in you and in what you did on the cross and what you did by conquering death. And so we're going to be joyful about saying we're so grateful, you know, that we get this moment. So, You know, that's such a a fantastic point you bring up there because I meet people all the time that, and certainly in our churches, you see people come in at all different stages in their spiritual journey. Yeah. Some that have been following Jesus forever, some that are brand new to faith, and some that are still skeptical and checking things out. But even if you're not sure who Jesus is, even if you're not sure you believe in a God or you're just there because, you know, somebody threatened you, yeah. Yeah. the one thing we all have in common is we can be grateful. Yeah. And that gratitude is the spark of of that worship experience, don't you think? It is. It, it, yeah, whether you've decided to follow Jesus with your life yet, or you're you're a skeptic and you're checking it out. I mean, I think we all can at least say thank you, God, for this moment that my heart's beating, that I'm breathing this air, and that I'm not alone because I'm surrounded by these people. So it's just those things to keep in mind. And for worship leaders listening, you know, it's a We've got to be aware of the room and aware of everyone walking in to be a good leader. We've got to, you know, not start out in a place where we're on some plane that seems un- unattainable or unapproachable. The best play any of us have is just to let people know we get what they're going through. Hmm. And 
even even that we haven't figured it all out yet, I think some of the best ways to lead people to respond in worship is just to tell a story of how much we don't have it figured out, mm-hmm. but how much hope by faith we have in a God who has. And so it's just about loving the people, regardless of what they're bringing in the room and what you mm-hmm. know they're going through. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, you look out into an audience and you see people worshiping in all different ways. Mm-hmm. And you've got your people in there that are very comfortable with expression mm-hmm. and their arms are up, maybe weeping, maybe um, dancing. Uh, they're, they're full on. And then you see somebody else that's just standing there holding a cup of coffee trying to yeah. figure out, do I even fit into this thing? I, I didn't read the yeah. handbook on the way in. So if I'm a person that... I don't sing well, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I'm not very, you know, expressive. Am I doing it wrong? Am I, you know, what is it that I can do in the context of the service to engage in the worship set, the music set, I should say, that helps me worship even if I don't do it like somebody else? Yeah, two things to that. One, I think it's wrong for us as as followers of Jesus to make anyone feel shamed for not responding in a way that they want them to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in second Samuel, God says he looks at the heart, man looks at the outward appearance. So at the end of the day, none of us in the room who know Jesus, it's not our responsibility. We can't see a person's heart. And I do know, I think it's, it's vital that in our churches, we create a culture where freedom exists for all expressions. So, and, and, and we can talk about those expressions as we lead people, as we sing, as we go through the service to say, you know, if you're here today and you just want to sit and be still and contemplate the fact that you even showed up today and you have questions and you're just sitting there with God by yourself while we sing these songs, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you're here today and, you know, you want to express or sing out, that's fine. If you're here today and you like to raise a hand, that's great. But we're freedom exists in this place because God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward. So we're not going to judge anyone on their expression. Um, I just think it's good. We got to keep saying that to people because that's loving people. You know, there are mm-hmm. the, the flip side of that, Rusty, is I like I like to help church attenders and Jesus followers and even people leading and in, in, corporate environments where singing exists, I like to try to help people understand what actually opening your mouth to sing a song does to your brain and to your soul. There's there's scientific evidence that it's actually good and synapses are connected. (laughs) There's like kind of like healing and health that takes place in our brain when we engage in corporate singing. I don't know why that is, but I think there's a part of it where we hear you know, our soul voice something and then we're connected to all these other souls that are voicing something. And it, it can be a real therapeutic thing, you know, even, it, I mean, take, take church out of the context. You go to the ball game, seventh inning stretch, everybody's singing, screaming, take me out of the ball game and, you know, with their Cracker Jacks and stuff. It's just fun. So there's, there's something really fun about a bunch of voices saying anything. Hmm. But when, when you do it in the context of, of church and you've got some truth, we want to, renew our mind with we want people to remember in a world that's telling them just lie after lie day after day i think the onus is partially on leadership to help people who don't feel like they want to sing understand that it's totally okay if they're not there or if they don't want to god sees the heart but also it can be beautiful um 
for the people around them to be blessed, even if they're not singing in perfect pitch, it doesn't matter. I like to tell the worship leaders that I work with and people singing that when we sing, people get to hear our soul. And it's, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things because, you know, as a musician, I can hear music played on instruments all day long, but still to this day, the most chilling, awesome sound I think there is, is the human voice. So there's a bit of just <laughs> education in that, you know, um, it's all through the, you know, motivation of loving the people that are before us and loving each other, the ones that are around us and being grace filled. But, uh, mm. nothing, nothing wrong with sitting there and taking it in. I've thought honestly, Rusty, cause I was attending a church the other day and it was great and worship, the worship singing music, it was powerful, but it was just loud from the start to the bottom. And I was like, man, I would love it if we, we would take like one minute and just be quiet <laughs> and like, right. You know, one minute and just go, go, guys, you know, we always kind of bash it out here and get loud to praise God. But right now we're just going to, we're just going to be still and be silent for a minute and allow God just to let you know that he's here for you and he's here with you and Hmm. any kind of stuff like that that we can do to change it up and to give people that are a little bit more introspective and that like quiet an opportunity to enjoy that. But that's just something we don't do a whole lot of nowadays in modern church world. Isn't it one of the best moments in that that music set when the worship leader backs away from the mic and you just hear the voices? Isn't that one of the coolest yeah. moments? Yeah, I always tell leaders like you remember when you used to spin a basketball on your finger. It's like you got you know you got to balance it. You got to start spinning it, and every now and then you got to give it a little coaxing. But there's nothing more beautiful for any of us. And we've kind of done our job when people are, it's not singing out of compulsion or shame. It's, it's our job. I love what Matt Redman says. This changed my life years ago. He said, we can't sing until we've seen. And so he said, guys, don't walk into church as a worship leader, just thinking people are ready to sing. Cause you know, nine times out of 10, they're not. Mm-hmm. So every time you take the platform, let them know what your name is. Let them know why in the world you're asking them to open their mouth, even if it's one simple truth spoken in love with encouragement, but help people see, Um, you know, through the backdrop of everything we're bringing in. You know, for some people, they just got tough news at the doctor. For some people, they're going through job stuff, family stuff, all of the kind of things that everyone's carrying. So. Mm. But it is it is a beautiful thing when we can get people there in response and back up and just let the room sing. It's um, it's beautiful. It is, and and oftentimes so much more memorable than whatever the speaker has to say when he gets up there. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> people remember music no. far greater than any message I've ever taught. <laughs> well, no, you're an amazing teacher, Rusty. I'll just say that I've heard a lot of great communicators, but I love your teaching. It's so clear and powerful. And, but I will say, you know, this like music, there's an emotional component that you can get in storytelling from the platform as a communicator. And that's great. And that absolutely leaves a mark. And, so many great sermons leave a mark, but there's something about melody no. that you you carry with you through every season of life that can kind of come back to you in your subconscious and your conscious in the midst of, you know, valleys you go through or uh, times that you just need to remember the truth we sing. Right. Let me ask you this. 
as a worship leader, you've had people come up to you after church mm-hmm. and say, hey, great job, or that was really good, or that really inspired me. Uh, for, for those of us that aren't leading worship musically on stage, what's the best way we can encourage you or a worship leader or even someone that maybe isn't really behind a mic, but they're behind a guitar or a drum kit? How do we best encourage those who lead us in that time of worship? Um, My immediate thought is one way to encourage them is just to try to participate as much as possible. Um, Hmm. I love in the Psalms where David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's as if he's saying, hey, soul, bless the Lord. <laughs> and, and sometimes I think, you know, it, it it can be a lonely place. And you know this for me and a, a pastor, speaker, communicator. It's like when people engage with anything you're doing, it it's helpful and it lets you know that they're with you. So I think for a worship leader, sometimes it can be a lonely place when you're not getting any kind of response. And part of the onus in that is on us. But, you know, just to to try to participate, even if you don't feel like it, because sometimes when you participate, all of a sudden the feelings follow and you're like, man, yeah, I believe this. And now my soul is saying it out loud and it's reorienting my thinking this morning. So one, participate, you know, two, just, you know, anytime you can see someone in the halls or after a service and just encourage them that that something that God did through their talent or their thoughtfulness and song choice or something they said, if God used that to impact you or to, to leave a mark on you that day, that's, that's good. Then don't hold back, you know, pass that on. Hmm. Artists are extremely, can be extremely, um, you know, tender <laughs> and, you know, I mean, for, for anyone that stands on the stage, we all want to hear, hey, great job, that a boy or that a girl, you, you did it awesome. So those are all great things. But I think the thing, the things that mean most to me, Rusty, are when God uses um, something either we sang that I led or a story I told to move someone uh, along in their faith. And it left a mark. And so I would say just for any attendee, like find that person's email, email them, grab them next time you see them and say, hey, when you guys did that song last week or when you said that, it really impacted me. So thank you. Mm. Um, Encouragement's, you know, always a win. And it's so needed because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're always critiquing stuff. And as musicians, we're always trying to be perfect. And that's always impossible. But we try our best. And. You know, it's just good to have that good encouragement. Okay, you bring up something that all senior pastors commiserate about. Oh, no. <laughs> and that is how tender worship leaders can be. Yep. Sensitive, emotional, artistic. These are all words we throw around yeah. uh, in our circles. Um, so, so help me understand this. What is the best way that a senior pastor, the communicator, the lead pastor can relate to their worship leader? And, and what would you say on behalf of all worship leaders that senior pastors need to know? Those are great questions. Um, Rusty, I think, I think from, from my experience and just, you know, church, being involved in professional ministry in the church is, is a blessing and it's a joy. But at, at the same time, as you know, Sunday's coming, it seems like every day, it's just like one after the other. And there's work that has to be done. So for for all of us, the work has to be done, and we've got to get it done. But we kind of enter into this transactional 
relationship where it's like, hey, you do your part, I got my part, mm-hmm. and then our our interaction is going to be about the parts we brought to the table this Sunday. But I would say the number one way to encourage any, whether it's an artist or a worship leader, is just to build trust and to know to know them and love them more for who they are than what they do. And a way, one way I would encourage pastors to do that is just um, just to be vulnerable yourself with what's going on in your life, not even opening up like in some massive you know soapbox way, but just letting um, your worship leader know that, Hey, can you pray for me? I'm about to speak or we're going, you know, anything to involve them in something that's more personal relational than the transaction you're about to do. Um, that's just something that I think we all could do a better job of, you know, and understanding is, is just, you know, knowing each other more for who we are as people before we do the job and what we do on the stage. Cause the stage has to get done. The ministry has to get done, but you know, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Um, those questions open up much deeper things and they build trust. That's really well said. And I, <laughs> I think you're, uh, you're onto something there that we, especially senior pastors, we think so much in terms of execution, getting things done. Was it done well? How can we make it better? Yeah, I'm re- I'm reminded of a, a moment with my uh, with our worship leader uh, Kelly Beck, who is just yeah. amazing, and you know her and her talent. And we have services on Thursday night, and uh, that's kind of our first service of the weekend. And so I'm in high critique mode on Thursday yeah. as we prep for Sunday. Sure. And I had a string of several weeks where she'd come off the stage, and I'd go, "Hey, that was great. Hey, what if you?" And I immediately began to give <laughs> feedback. Finally, after a few weeks, she looked at me and said, hey, how about we just take a little bit of time before the feedback comes? (laughs) And I thought, that's a good word. I just need to let it rest a moment because I don't always like to walk off stage and hear three things the message could have done that I didn't do. So a good word for all of us lead pastors. Well, and for worship leaders, um, you know, one of the things that I I have to be a student of is that lead pastors have so much that is on their plate. Um, it's not just, Hey, I'm teaching the series right now. It's, there's a staff, there's this, there's the bill. I mean, there's meetings and pressure and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's a, it's a mutual respect and caring. It's a co-caring of the load that you both have, you know, and that we both carry knowing that it's all worship. It's all to bring glory to God, but it's carried best when we, you know, put it in that sandwich of, Hey, how can I pray for you? How are you doing? Is there anything I can help with? And then any critiquing is kind of in the middle of that. Like, hey, can we just talk about how to encourage each other to call out the things out of each other that are going to be helpful for the kingdom? And that's a, it takes some time and trust to get there. But, you know, one of the things I'm learning, I just turned 50, Rusty, if you can believe it, like two (laughs) weeks ago. So, one of the things I'm learning the older I get is just how important it is to know yourself yet how hard it is to ask people for input because we don't want to really know, you know, it's like, (laughs) um, you know, even Carrie and I in our marriage, we're 23 years in and it's like, we're, we're going through a season where it's like, Hey, we need to, you know, kind of get back into counseling and dig into 
stuff that either we hadn't paid attention to or, hey, Todd, you need to pay attention to this. It's just those are the scary things to approach, but they're the things that will propel our leadership and ministry to a whole new place when we open ourselves up toward loving input from people who really do care. Because um, there's just so many things that I do on autopilot that if somebody said, hey, did you realize you did this? I'd be like, man, thank you for telling me that because I don't want it to come across that way. And that's not at all the intent of my heart, but it's kind of hardwired into my reaction and personality so hmm. that's good you know yeah that's so good okay so I, what i want to do here is i just want to throw some names out to you that many of our listeners might be aware of that you've had a chance to work with and thus see them up close and just some things you've learned from them whether it be sure. about worship or following jesus or marriage or ministry uh, so let's start with uh, your mentor growing up and you worked with him for some time andy stanley andy I love Andy. Andy took a chance on me when I was in high school. I jumped in a band. He was playing guitar, singing lead, you know, vocal and writing songs with our youth group. And man, he just, one of the best memories I have of Andy is he would pick me up from high school and uh, he'd take me out to lunch and he was, he cared about me and he would pour into me. I was in a mentoring group when I was in college for him, but he, he was just always there, always um, loving and caring. And he, I think, is probably the number one person I have to thank for helping me with communication. Because in the early days of North Point starting, um, he would basically give me feedback on, you know, leading worship and how I was going to communicate. But I'll just never forget sitting in his office. You know, we would do this once a week and we'd talk about what he was doing, what I was doing. And then we, you know, I'd ask him questions on how I could set up a song in a way that would really connect with people. So now from Andy and his friendship and his love for me, for pouring into me, you know, leaders all over the place are learning things I learned from him. Wow, that's good. All right, Louis Giglio. Louis, when I think of Louis, I think of, passion for God, all of God, um, the glory of God. Louis just, from the first time I heard him speak at First Baptist in the early 90s, um, or maybe it was the late 80s, I was just, I was marked by his desire for God and his desire to make God known. So I think I learned more about worship from Louis than any other person. And to this day, I just saw him um, at Passion City last week. And we hugged each other's neck. We don't see each other a ton, but to this day, we have people coming up, you know, from different places all over the world saying, hey, 722, the Bible study you guys did together was pivotal for my life. So just an amazing co-laborer in the gospel. And I just steer, still cheer him and Shelly on hmm. with the work they continue to do with Passion and Passion City. Okay. Kim Walker-Smith. Kim. I interviewed Kim for a thing called Worship Rocket about eight years ago, and um, I loved her from the get-go. She was just full of life, full of passion for Jesus, kind of had a twinkler in her eye and just got excited when she talked about Jesus, her Savior. And um, Since then, she's jumped in Worship Circle and been with us about four years now. And my wife Carrie and I flew out to Jesus Culture to meet with her and um, see her at Jesus Culture. But the thing I love most about Kim is she's just real. Um, in her small group, the girls that, you know, she gets the privilege of mentoring, they just love the fact that Kim doesn't hold back. She just tells it like it is. 
She's not afraid to, to talk about her struggle from the platform or in a small group or in the book she writes and the song she sings. She just is one of the biggest champions of our hope being in Jesus than anyone on our team. So I just love her mm. fire and her voice is unbelievable. On this new hymns record we have coming out, she kills this song she sings. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Well, let me just transition to that at this point. And that is, you know, what do you have going on right now? Tell us about Worship Circle. Tell us about the podcast and about this yeah. upcoming project of hymns. Yeah, Worship Circle. We've been on six years now. It started with Christy Knuckles and me, and it was really just the idea of having online mentoring. With It started one-on-one with leaders around the country for me, I, and I'd been, uh, been helping about 95 different guys over a four-year period, so kind of boiled all that content down, and people around me were saying, hey, Todd, there's something that happens when you, you know, you're a pastor and you need to be pouring into and pastoring these other leaders. So Christy jumped in with me six years ago. We now have eight mentors, um, Tasha Cobbs, Leonard, Carrie Job, Pat Barrett, Charlie Hall, Kim, uh, Meredith Andrews, myself, and I can't, uh, I'm forgetting somebody. I'm sorry. But anyway, well, there's a lot of us now. So we've got our, our normal six month terms of training that happen in small group community. We meet, uh, for three hours a month online. And we do a once a year rest retreat where we have about 250 worship leaders from around the world come. And we gather with our members that have been in small group and invite other leaders to come. Always a life-changing time. The podcast has been going almost two years now. It's a joy to do that. You go to Worship Circle Podcast on iTunes or wherever you hear podcasts to hear some of those episodes. But last year at our rest retreat in January, um, I was talking to Nathan Knuckles, my friend, about, I said, you know, when we gather and it's all these worship leaders, there's no, not a whole lot of production at all. They kind of get to unplug of doing and just be. Hmm. And I said, every time we do this, it's so refreshing. It's so honest. And the, it sounds unbelievable because you've got a bunch of people that know how to sing in a room. And I said, I wonder if there's a way to record this just so other people can experience it. And so we made the decision last year in January 2019 to video and audio record the whole thing. And the the thought was, let's just do some super well-known hymns with all these precious leaders in the room. So we all gathered in the round. It's coming out for free on Vimeo and on uh YouTube will have that video up so you can watch and participate with us. And then the recording should be out mid-September. Mm. Um, but everybody took a hymn and just did such a great job. But, you know, Carrie and I listened back and just really with tears in our eyes going, God, I can't believe that you're doing this work. It's really yours. You're gathering worship leaders from all over the world to remind them that they're loved and not alone. That's really our purpose because in ministry, it can be a lonely place no matter how many thousands of people you stand before, it's, you know, oftentimes you're by yourself either preparing or, you know, doing something else and you feel a bit isolated. Like you may, may not have people you can really truly open up and be vulnerable, vulnerable with. So we provide an environment where leaders can do that. And we just love on them and let them know that we all stand with them, regardless of the brand name of their church, the size of their church, when they get up to lead worship each week, we're all connected by the Holy Spirit hmm. in our lifetime on the earth for the kingdom. And we're joining with that song of heaven that's going on 24-7, Worthy is the Lamb. So 
that's all that's going on, Rusty. It's 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 quite a bit of exciting, fun stuff. But it's it's our joy, really, just to be pulling the church together in this way. Wow, that's great. And then in your spare time, you come out and lead worship for us once in a while. So that's that's Absolutely. a lot of fun. <laughs> I love I love real life. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm just going to throw you some uh, three last questions here, and uh, sure. I'll, I'll set you up. Uh, the first one will be, is there a book you're reading right now that you would highly recommend? The second one would be, if you could be part of any musical ensemble in history uh, or currently, what would it be? And then finally, there's a lot of worship leader fails on YouTube, Instagram, um, are you on any of those? So we'll, uh, <laughs> and if oh not, goodness. is there something that should have been? So we'll start with uh, the book. Yeah. Um, this is a marriage book, but I just finished seven ways to be your wife's hero by Doug Fields. Um, my counselor actually recommended that to me, Rusty. And for you guys out there that I think, you know, Carrie and I've been married 23 years and there's always seasons of you know, stuff that's harder and, you know, you're trying to figure it out. And just in counseling recently, that book, it's been so helpful for me because it's super practical things that we can do as husbands to really love and care and uh, be the husbands, you know, that I want to be. Wow, that's scary. So seven ways to be your wife's hero. Uh, what ensemble? Oh man. Like you talking about if like a group, if I could be part of it for a while. Exactly. Whether it's Coldplay or the Beatles <laughs> or whatever. Oh man. There's too many. I, I think, you know, the first one, and this is rocking a little bit hard and it's LA, California, but Eddie Van Halen was kind of my guitar <laughs> hero growing up. And the crazy thing is, you guys can pray for this for me. I may be able to interview him on my podcast this fall. We've, we're working behind the scenes to try to try to do that. And, and in, in a perfect world, it would happen at his studio, 5150, but we'll see. So Van Halen and then also um, the Beach Boys were a big deal to me. So if I could go back in 1969 and be in the studio when Pet Sounds was being recorded, I would be <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> All right. So is Eddie Van Halen a worship leader now? Bro, he's not, and the reason. <laughs> but here's here's the deal: the more I talk about worship and learn about worship, I just think as a musician, God's given me the ability to kind of come in stealth under the radar to call out the beauty of God in in art form. And there's this questions I want to ask Eddie about the power of music, you know, and the emotion of music and the influence influences that that you know people had on him growing up and stuff he'd pass on to other musicians so i would approach it that way but my friend that's trying to set it up just said man i think eddie would be blessed too it'd just be cool for you guys to meet each other so that would be incredible yeah man it's a dream and i'm but at 50 i'm like lord i'm gonna start asking for bold things right (laughs) well i mean you can't deny that the uh, guitar solo and jump i mean that's just that's worshipful right there yeah, and the one on Beat It uh, was when I started playing guitar. I was like, what is oh, that? Yeah. Like, what's he doing? So I, 
you know, you talk about worshiping God and everything. I just think, man, everybody needs loved on, heard. And I Absolutely. Think, I think the guy is so gifted with music and that came from God. So, right. yeah, you all the listeners can pray that'll happen. I'm supposed to check back in late August to see if we can line it up. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, so last one. Uh, any worship leader faux pas or fails, whether they're online or not? Oh, gosh. There's always the thing where I put the capo on the wrong fret and start the song a half step off from the band. All the musicians can understand that. I think the most embarrassing one for me, Rusty, was I was at 722 years ago, and we started with just this cranking worship tune. Everybody's celebrating in the room. It was just electric, like 2,800 people at North Point. And I don't know if it's the country in me. I don't even know where this expression came from. But we end the song with this big kind of trash can ending. And for those of you who don't play music, that's when the drummer starts kicking the kick drum fast and the lights are going crazy. And, you know, the guitars are loud. And right when it ends and we we stop it, I just yell out, sit down. Like, and I'm in it, I'm in it as an expression of, like, it can't get any better. We're all blown away with how powerful it is in the room right now. And literally the entire room sat down. <laughs> And they and they literally sat down like it was time for a meet and greet. And I'm like, we went from full throttle gas on the pedal to everybody looking around going, what are we doing? So, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, I, uh, I had a moment where I thought I'd be pastor slash worship leader. Yeah. And I went up at the end of Reckless Love and... I'm trying to I'm trying to carry that moment through by praying uh-huh. while the band's still playing and I start into God there is no shadow you won't light up no and then I just forget the words man and I'm just making stuff up no corner you won't crawl in no and it just it just got worse I finally had to just start laughing and stop so Man, we've all we've all been there. So, oh, yeah. Todd, you've been such a blessing to us on this and uh, on every time that I get to be around you and to all worship leaders out thank there. You, so, Rusty. let me just say thank you to you for all that you do for the church and for worship leaders and for all of us uh, pastors as well. So, sure appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, all the best to you. And can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much, Rusty. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for listening. Take a moment and review us on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out about what it is we're trying to do. And as always, share this with a friend as we try to make real life simple for them and for you. And we'll talk next time.